Hey, Sales Enablement Podcast listeners. This is Alistair Wilcock, co-host of the RevOps Podcast. We have another special episode for you coming right up. So if you like what you hear, come and subscribe and join us at the RevOps Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to this week's RevOps Podcast. I'm Alistair Wilcock, Chief Strategy and Revenue Officer here at Rev.io. Joining me is Howard Brown, CEO and founder of the company and all things revenue science, and our special guest, Dana Tyrion, who is Vice President and Chief Revenue Officer Practice at Anaplan. Anaplan, you know, Dana, we've, I've seen that for years at Gartner, one of the fastest growing companies out there in the world of automation, all things sales, marketing, and much more. But we are very excited to have you with us. Thank you. It's good to be here. Now, Dana, you and I have been talking about this uh, a little bit before, and I'm recalling back to your days when you were serious decisions and building out sales ops and rev ops practice leads uh, you know, around the world, coaching companies like an Anaplan or Revenue.io of what, what this world looks like. And I always remember this analogy you used to use around fitness technology and this idea that sales technology should be as easy to use for a seller as fitness technology is like, you know, the idea that I could pick up a running app and the running app's going to get me to run a nine minute mile. Yeah. Right. So tell me how when to do it and what to do. But sales tech, well, it isn't that simple, is it? It's not. It's not yet. It's not quite as formulaic as I, I would say fitness technologies are. I, I'm a, I started my career in the military, so I was a runner back in my early 20s and I always stayed active throughout that 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 time from the, the point that I got out. But I stopped running, I think, at 27. And I didn't pick it up again until like three years ago. And I had, I started with a Fitbit. I had been walking before that, getting my 10,000 steps a day. And then for some reason, I just started to run one day and I started to do it. And I called my friend uh, Scott Forey at Akamai. And he, he's a, he's a data scientist and he says he's into the fitness technology for the data, not, not for the physical benefit because he loves the data. But I asked him what I should use. Cause I, I tried an Apple watch and I didn't like it. And he said, well, you need a Garmin. And it started from then. So it started with Garmin and then Strava. And then I, I, I never used Peloton for a treadmill. I used um, Nordic track, but I just, even from the 10,000 steps a day from, from, the Fitbit and then the Garmin and then the coaching that came along with that. I found as long as I did what they told me to do, I got unbelievable results. And then I just continued to add to the fits, the fitness stack. Uh, you know, I'd injured myself. I'm 54 years old and I've been through every injury you could imagine when you get back into that. And I started over a year ago with this company called stride S T R Y D. Mm -hmm. And they just prescribed a program It's 80% running slow. And then the other 20% is very variations of whatever it is that you would do. And for a year, I've broken every personal record. I've run four, I think, half marathons. I ran a marathon this year. I won the marathon. I live in Maine. Only 15 people show up. But, yeah, I won. Congratulations. Amazing. <laughs> wow. I don't care if it's 15 or 15,000. First of all, running a marathon and then winning, huge. Yeah, like, uh, hey, a win is a win, right? But it, it was, the, the results is what just blew me away. So I didn't have to think about what was going to happen six months from now. All I had to do was go out there and follow the program today. And I think that if we could come up with that, some with something that's as simple and as prescriptive for salespeople, if you just stick to the program, if you do what you need to do. Now, sales is a little bit more complicated because 
there's so much more of a cognitive aspect to it and a spiritual aspect of it, just in connecting with other people. But there are certain things, and it's simple. Like I'm wearing a Garmin watch now. I ran seven and a half miles at lunch today. I did what I was supposed to do. And it's pleasurable, and you get to see the results right there on your watch. And I've been through a lot of different fitness technologies, and there's studies out there that show that the more that you throw at people, the less effective they are. But it's, we're throwing the wrong tech at them, I think. So it, it comes from personal experience. It also comes from having relationships with almost every sales performance management vendor out there working for one myself. And I think people just expect results. Mm-hmm. And I think fitness technology is a great result. Yeah. So for those of you listening in, Dana is absolutely somebody to sell a bunch of fitness technology to, evidently, as he's gone through almost <laughs> all of them available in the market right now. No, <laughs> I'm joking. Well, I've been through a lot that I don't mention, but I, I, tell, I can tell you the ones that work. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, but I, I love the whole analogy and this idea that you know, it just works, essentially, right? But Howard, we talk about this all the time. You think about the engagement world. We think about these, you know, the sheer complexity of the stack these days. And it's it's just not getting to the point of of enabling a rep, right? Even enablement. And and as somebody used to cover the enablement space, enablement tech isn't really enabling them in the most direct way. It's all indirect enablement or it's you know behind the scenes enablement. But this idea that at the end of the day, somebody's gonna go running. Somebody's got to put one foot in front of another. The sales tech landscape needs to help people put a foot in front of another foot. 100%. And, and uh, congratulations again. Uh, what an amazing story to, to, to start at, you know, a few thousand steps and then to get to a point where you're running and winning marathons is, as a 54-year-old, I, I aspire to be there. But to your point, it really requires discipline and, and, and direction. It sounds like you had some, some good direction and, and the right tools to help you get there. But um, you know, ultimately, I think it's it's critical whether we're in sales, whether we want to improve in our relationships at home, whether we want to improve in our running or athletic aspirations to start somewhere, obviously, and then to follow a program and obviously a proven program that delivers results certainly uh, builds confidence, right? You have to believe in whatever you're going to use. And so right now, I think one of the challenges, we have so many different sales technologies, so many revenue technologies, so many marketing technologies. And quite frankly, most of them have fallen very short on the return on investment that sales reps and, and, and teams are promising. And why is that? Well, I think to begin with, one, there's so many different pieces of the stack, right? How do we pull the stack together to optimize that journey so that Dana, when he sets out in the morning, he knows what he has to do and how he has to get it done, whether he's running or he's selling, right? The the idea that we can build technology that's contextual, that uses all of this data and artificial intelligence to understand the context of the situation provide guidance and confidence that if I follow this guidance, I will then yield a better result. And I think that that is where we're all trying to go. But in an effort to get there, sometimes we have to stop overcomplicating everything and, and, and try and simplify it down to <laughs> some basics, right? Well, I've studied all these vendors that are in this space and the artificial intelligence, the opportunity scoring, activity capture, 
forecasting for you. And I mean, they, they can do it with varying degrees of accuracy, right? And I, the further out they are, the more accurate they are because they can't really predict any unforeseen events that are going to happen the day before you're trying to close a, a deal. And, you know, the guy loses his job and he's not, he's not there to sign the contract. Those things are hard to predict. But with Stride particularly, I mean, this thing will, it predicted on that marathon where I was going to finish within three minutes. Wow. And I, I ran a half marathon the week after that and, and the same thing. So I'm just so, un, whoever put the data science behind that Stride application, and it, it runs on critical power. So it, it measures your output instead of pace and heart rate and all these other things. So it's really accurate. It takes into account headwind. It takes into account elevation. There's many other factors. And they probably studied millions of runners before they came up with this algorithm. So it's accurate. There, there's something in it for me when I use it, right? Re reduced injury, be better results. And I don't have to think about what I'm going to do that day. I, I had a, a conversation with somebody a couple of weeks ago. His name is Paul Rulkins. He's a, he's a management uh, guru. He, he advises lots of boards of directors on, on strategy and execution within their companies. And I asked him, I said, well, why, why do people change? And he said, very simple. He, he's a chemical engineer. Everything is very simple for him. He's thought about all these different things. He has great answers. He said, people change for three reasons. He said, first, compliance. You, have, you force them to do it. Second is peer pressure because everybody else is doing it. And the third one is enlightened self-interest. There's something in it for them. And for me, the fitness technology, there's a lot in it for me because I just feel good and, I, and I'm able to do all these different things at 54 years old. But with sales technology, we started down the compliance route, I, you know, treating it like it was the ERP. Salespeople, you need to go into the CRM and you need to fill out all this information that's not helpful to you, but it's helpful to finance, it's helpful to marketing, it's helpful to everybody but you, and you just need to do it. And it's it's it's, it's sales fascism, right? Right? You must comply, and people will only do it for a certain period of time, and then they leave. And you can try to shame people, you put them on forecast calls, and the the peer pressure thing, hey, Joe's pipeline is better than your pipeline, and that will work for a period of time. But if you can provide them with information that's going to help them sell more effectively, it's going to help them close more deals, it's going to make them more money, that's enlightened self-interest. And I guess the analogy that I use for fitness technologies is really we need to appeal to the enlightened self-interest of salespeople, provide them something that's going to be incredibly useful, and you will not have to force them to use it. They're just going to use it every day on their own. Dana, it reminds me a lot of a statistic, and that is when you look at, in particular, heads of sales and we look at where they're struggling to provide actionable insights, 76% of all senior sales leaders largely use the data that they have in their organizations simply to track performance against the current goal. Yeah, compliance. Right? So three quarters, over three quarters, that's, that's what they're doing, just tracking against the goal. And the, the, the fledgling analogy I'd use is, imagine if your Garmin is simply telling you only Here's how you're doing against a goal. I, I, I don't know about you, but I find that very lack of motivation, lack of structure. I don't know what else I would change in my running. I don't know what I should be doing next. And isn't that what we're trying to say? Like at the end of the day, these fitness technologies are, are telling me, nudging me to go do a certain activity in a certain way. They're giving me the, the nirvana we use in sales of next best action, but to help me improve my, my pace, my running speed, all of those things, right? And, and yet in sales, as you just said, like, you look at this, this is, you know, three quarters 
are only doing it against the goal where you know the idea of helping against buying decisions or or correlating performance models that falls between 10 and 13 percent it's this chasm in the market yeah it's such a complicated problem because sales is so short-term focused it's it's focused on the month focused on the quarter and focus on the fiscal year but don't focus on next year yeah and I, i've noticed this we, you know, i work for a planning company right we, we did a study with the Sales Management Association, and we, and we learned that when companies are effective at planning, they're four times more likely to hit their goal, and 20% more of their, their reps are going to achieve their number when they're good at planning. Mm. But when the, the interesting correlation to that was when companies rate themselves as being poor at planning, they focus on forecasting. They over-focus on forecasting because it's the equivalent of a crash diet at this point. Like They've set themselves a goal that's unattainable, but they've set these unrealistic expectations that they're going to achieve it. So then they start to use forecasting and these sales technologies as a means of pressuring people into taking unnatural acts and to try to achieve these these undeserved results that they're never going to be able to achieve in the short periods of time that they have to. So I, I think some of it's having a little bit more of a longer term focus on it, setting more realistic expectations and then just working consistently every single day. You know, you don't see results every day. Yeah. When we, I mean, you guys know this. You, you both look really fit, right? When you go to the gym, you you, you don't you don't you know do, do 20 curls and then your biceps get bigger that day it's it's the act of going there every single day and doing it absolutely no i was i was thinking about your earlier statement about it's really a critical that my my goals aren't just somebody else's goals right like the yeah. your your application that strava app that app is thinking about you it's not trying to turn you into a, a world-class marathon runner that's going to, you know, beat world records. It's it's thinking about how to improve your performance on a yeah. daily basis, right? Yeah. It's set up to improve you as an individual and the goals you want to achieve. And you're invested in that because it is to help, again, you achieve goals that are critical for you. I think in the same way, we have to think about sales reps, right? We have to not just think about the company. We need to hit this quota and we need to knock it out of the park this quarter. Coaching and performance gets down to the individual level. And if we just have applications that, hey, if we just follow this playbook that's built for every single one of our reps, if they just do the following thing, it's missing the mark. The key is how do I set it up so that I can achieve my individual goals? How do I know that the company is interested in helping me with my personal and professional development? Checking in, making sure that the, the guidance it's giving me is contextual to me and where I am as a salesperson, as opposed to where all of my peers are. And I think that's where we need to move from just overgeneralizing. If you just do this, if you just don't do that, to this is what's going to help you, Dana, perform better. That's where we'll make that huge leap. I think, I mean, there's so much packed into that statement right there. It's like, it, it's almost a manifestation of the the Western education system where you're you're in grade six and you either keep up or you get out or you right. don't make it, right? And there's nobody there trying to ensure that you stay up. It's If you're not getting it, you're going to fall behind and then you're going to stay behind for a very long period of time. That's right. And I experienced that right through through the educational system. And it wasn't I, I started starting martial arts in the late 90s with a with a Taoist master. Right. So he this guy started studying Kung Fu from the age of seven. He learned from a Chinese master and I started learning from him. He was I was 30. He was 50 at that time. 
and what I noticed was that it was so incredibly personal. Like you, you always, you attended classes with, with everybody else, but then when you had the one-on-one -on -one time, they, they, they worked with you within your individual confines and within your individual strengths and your individual weaknesses. And there were no belts in this system whatsoever. He said, you can either do it or you can't do it. Who cares about the belts? It wasn't, he made it anti-competitive and the competition was with yourself. And I guess for, for salespeople, for sales operations people, if you're not harder on yourself than, than anyone else, then you're not going to progress. You, you, you owe your individual accountability to yourself and you have all these tools and coaching systems and people to help you. But in the end, you have to be your, you have to be your hardest, your hardest coach. 100%. But I think it's also dependent on us as organizations to set the goals and the mission that we're, we're there not just to achieve the number, but yeah. we're there to benefit the individuals within our organization, right? As leaders, we're, our goal is to develop our human beings, right? Yeah. And if we're just trying to make the rest like the best, yeah. and hey, if you just stop talking this or you don't do that, it's missing the mark, right? We're not really investing in the individuals. To see the potential in every individual and, 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 and work with them to help them achieve their individual potential. And yeah, it's, how do you do that at scale? I, I think these technologies are going to help. Well, I, I'm thinking about this and, and, and just off of what Dana was saying is exactly where my head was going. I, I agree with you both in most senses that um, yes, personalized, Helping, coaching, all of those things makes the difference. But but think about people listening to this, right? Like we we said at the onset that the sales tech landscape is now more complex than ever before. Dana, you said that you know when people do long range planning, it's a forty percent improvement of of sales as opposed to the short term forecasting solutions that are there. Howard, we've said that yes. Personalized learning is is the key to making this happen, as it is like the you know the idea that we're supporting dynamic and real conversations and engagement that's there. But you know, if I take a step back, I go, well, hold on, that's that's a lot of moving parts in an organization that I'm trying to fix and address to make any of that happen, right? So people are going to default back to, okay, so clearly we need training. They're going to go buy a sales enablement technology. Say, so well, I need forecasting. I'm going to buy another forecasting technology, right? Maybe a, yeah. maybe a sales performance management technology and so forth. And then, a, you know, an engagement technology. That's precisely the issue. And, and I just sit there right now while I believe in everything that we're saying. For most of the listeners, they're going, I, I'd love to do that. But right now, I, I got to make sure I hit the number by December. Mm -hmm. They're under huge pressure. We are in a recessionary market, whether we're calling it or not. And, and the simple reality is there's a huge amount of short-term pressure on most heads of sales. And when they get under pressure, what do they default back to? Exactly what I said. They're going to go, what are the metrics? How am I doing according to my metrics? And they drive bad behavior. So we're going to run out of time here. But I'm going to give a final word to each of you. And then we'll pick this up in the next episode because we're going to have Dana back on for another call. In light of that, what's like the what's the one thing or two things you want a sales leader to go change to be more performance orientated, like you see in your it's like you see in your running technologies? Yeah, so it's I've seen and I've been in sales operations, revenue operations for over twenty years, 
I started off my career in the military. I think I mentioned that. When you were assigned a bunch of soldiers that went to work for you, they came from every walk of life. They came from all over America. They came from every socioeconomic class. And you were all put together somehow. And then you just had to make it work. And getting rid of people was not an option. So the, the, who you had was who you had. And you had to develop every person individually. You had to develop yourself. And you had to, you had to achieve the mission with what you were assigned. And I see these sales organizations, they're constantly trying to ventilate the bottom 20%, the bottom 15%, the bottom 10%, whatever it is. Like we, we set these unrealistic goals. We, we threw them at people and some people got lucky. Some people didn't get lucky. Some people were really good. There's not just luck, right? But let's just get rid of the bottom 20%. And then and what, replace them with more of the bottom 20%. Like <laughs> at some point in time, when somebody hired them, they thought that they were the best people in the world. They got through the interview process. It was very rigorous. And they thought that these people were awesome. And then Ah, uh, 12 months later, didn't quite make it. Let's get rid of them and let's start all over again with somebody else. I think if sales leaders started with the mentality that I am not getting rid of, I'm not, I'm not getting rid of anybody who, who's here today is who's going to be here today. And I'm going to develop every single one of these individuals and they're either going to opt out or they're going to make it, but I am not going to let them opt out. I'm not going to force them out. So there's a lack of commitment, I think, to making people successful. And if we, if we exercise that same commitment to one another in the sales organizations that people do in the military and you wouldn't let people around you fail, we'd be a lot better off. And it'd be a lot more cost effective for companies rather than ventilating these people and being in this, this addictive hiring sequence of, of churn and burn, churn and burn, churn and burn, churn and burn. Spoken like a true man of military there. It's hard, it's hard to oppose you on that, but I think ultimately what I'm getting from what you're saying is rather than just flushing them out, we need to invest in them. And we need to invest in them as individuals, because to your point, you have people from all walks of life, from all educations, from all different backgrounds. And, and in order to motivate people, you have to try and understand what motivates them. Right. And so understanding who you got and what motivates them and how they learn and what's going to help them grow is the key. So again, if you treat people as individuals rather than a simple, like everybody's the same, then you see progress. So training enablement is individual. It's a one-on-one -on -one game. So I look forward to next uh, our next podcast. Me too. All right. Well, Dana, Howard, thank you so much. And thanks for everybody listening in. Please do remember to like and subscribe on this. And also, don't forget our new dial-in number with your questions. You can reach us at 323-540-4777. That's 323-540-4777. Again, like and subscribe. And next time, we'll, uh, Dana, we'll have you back. And I love the idea of let's not let sales fail. And diving in a little bit deeper there. Thanks so much. Thank you, Alistair. Thank you.